Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books with Zivi. I'm the host, Zivi Owens. I am an author. My latest is blank, pub date March 1st, a novel. I'm also a podcaster, obviously, a publisher, a bookstore owner, and so much more. If you love books, you're in the right place. In fact, we call it the Ziviverse, or really, the LA Times called it the Ziviverse, and we're going with it. Go to ZiviOwens.com to learn more and follow me on Instagram at ZiviOwens. Molly Roden Winter is the author of More, a memoir of open marriage. Molly was raised in Evanston, Illinois, and lives in Park Slope, Brooklyn, with her husband and two part-time roommates, also known as her sons. Her personal essays have appeared in New York Magazine, Motherwell, and Pandurus. She is half of the guitar-playing, songwriting duo, House of Mirth. Welcome, Molly. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss more, a memoir of open marriage. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. I have to say, I was reading this, you know, I could not put this book down. And I was reading it like one Sunday as my husband's like watching all this football. And he looked over like kind of annoyed. He's like, oh, yeah? How's that book? <laughs> a, lot, a lot of conversations, I think, are going to start as a result of this book. And conversations go a long way, I have yeah. to say. I felt like um, then this weekend I showed him, I was like, remember when I was just reading this book? Now look, it's in the New York Times. Like, see, it's like a big deal, this book. I'm not just like looking for an open marriage. <laughs> I mean, if I was, that would be fine. No judgment. I'm just saying I don't happen to be looking for that with no. him. But anyway, um, so he was like, oh, look I'm, at that. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I also, 
it's really important to me that I convey to folks that I am not proselytizing. I don't think all we need in this world is if everybody were polyamorous. I mean, that is not my message here. And so I'm glad that you felt like it spoke to you, even without being necessarily interested in non-monogamy. Well, there's so much in your story simply about motherhood yeah. and desire and trying to marry those two aspects of yourself, keeping marriage, like how do we preserve our marriages and ourselves and our kids? Like it's such a mishmash. And so even though you have opted for this path, right, that not everybody opts for, the way and the decision-making and the day-to-day is so familiar that I feel like so many people will feel themselves in this story. Yeah, that's my hope. And it's true. I think one of the biggest things I've learned on this path is that there are disparate parts of myself. Sometimes I describe it as, you know, there's like this mom suit that we're supposed to put on as if it's one size fits all. And you find yourself lopping off an arm or, you know, trying to hold in your gut because it doesn't quite fit Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. not really being able to breathe. And I'm just trying to kind of challenge this idea that we have to look and act in a very particular way in order to be a good mother. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's true. I mean, truth be told, if we weren't like having sex, we wouldn't have the kids to begin with. Right. (laughs) It's like it reminds me of when my mother, my mother was a teacher also. I was a teacher for about 15 years too. And I'm a teacher for at least five of the years that I'm talking about in more. My mother didn't get any days off for having a baby. This was, you know, I was born in 1972, my sister in 69. She was able to get a few days paid because she had the flu when she delivered me. But otherwise, there were no, and this is for a school, you know, and I always think of these things that we pretend like teachers matter and mothers matter, but we don't give any support. So yeah, we're mothers because we we have had sex. As my son said, when he first found out how babies were made, when he was about six or seven, he said, wait a minute, you did that? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> twice. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I did it twice. (laughs) We have very different conversations. (laughs) But at the time, I would only confess to twice. I know. When I I told my younger kids, like not so, not so long ago, um, and they were like, well, wait, are you going to be doing that when we like come into your room? I'm like, no, you've never seen that happen. You know? Anyway, so then like they'll FaceTime me when they're at their dad's and like my little guy is like, He's nine now, but he would call and be like, um, are you having sex? And I was like, no, I'm not having sex. It's fine. We can just talk. But I think that's great, Cindy. I think it's great even that they know that like these aren't virgin births. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? We are actually whole people with bodies. Yeah. (laughs) And I, you know, now that my children are adults, they have talked to me about some of the questions and concerns that have come up with, you know, sexuality and sex. And I think it's largely because they know I'm not a pearl clutcher, you know, Mm -hmm. they know I'm not going to freak out about having sex. I know it's normal. I know it's healthy. And I know there are healthier ways to do it than a lot of the things I was doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
I feel like I kind of went through my actual my adolescence in my 40s because I didn't really have very rebellious teen years. So I'd much rather have my kids talk to me about things than to walk around feeling like they have to be ashamed of whatever is they're doing and hide the the truth of their, you know, humanity from me. Well, your love for your kids comes through so strongly. I mean, that scene when you're leaning against the wall with the suitcase between your legs and itching yourself and your son is like, what? You're in an open marriage. We found dad on OkCupid. And then when you realized that he was like, he didn't even, it didn't even occur to him that you would also be like pursuing other partners. Oh my gosh. And you were like, what do I tell him? And your adorable supportive husband who's like, it's okay. Like you want me to help? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, oh my gosh, that scene. Wait, how old are your kids now? I feel like they're frozen in time in this book. So. Right. Almost 22 and 19. And are they, how do they feel about the book? They're very supportive of me. Mm-hmm. My oldest read it. My youngest did not. He's away at college right now, my youngest, and he was very cute. He said, Mom, I have to tell you something. He's like, don't be mad. I checked the campus bookstore and they don't have your book and I'm really happy about it. (laughs) And I was like, I am not mad and I am actually really happy that I was like, I would be shocked if it were at the campus. I mean, maybe not shocked, but you're not actually the target market, honey. So it's fine. (laughs) Although I'm annoyed on your behalf that it's not, I mean, you have a connection to that school. You should be represented. <laughs> That's all right. No, I've actually, I'm trying to steer clear of that oh, whole okay. vicinity while okay. the dust settles. Okay. I, I want, it's something that's also very important to me with my children, that their path is their path mm-hmm. and my path is mine. And that's something that comes up in the book with my mother's journey and my own. I loved your mother's journey. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How is your mom? She's doing well, thanks. Yeah, she's um, she's in a wheelchair now permanently, but I shouldn't say permanently. She can get herself up and down. And actually, the wheelchair has given her a lot more independence. Mm. She's able to, you know, get herself places and is not falling over, which was the main problem, <laughs> falling and breaking things. So she's doing great. My parents are actually having a pretty good time with the book. My hometown paper in Evanston, Illinois, is running a review today. Ooh. I'm there tomorrow. I'm going back to Chicago for a reading on Wednesday, but I'm doing some signings at a bookstore in Evanston, and they're excited. It's it's really sweet how everybody's been you know, they were nervous. They're, they sometimes still get nervous. It's a lot, but it's also they believe the same things I believe. My values are very much in line with theirs about what this book really is about. Maybe we should back up. Yeah. I was so excited to jump in and talk to you about so many of the parts of this book, but maybe we should describe the book for people who are sure. like, what are they talking about? What are we <laughs> talking about? Oh my gosh. Um, okay. So the book pretty much tells the story of the first 10 years of my open marriage. So I got married in 1999. I had had very few partners. I was, you know, very young for high school. I went to college at 16. I had the same boyfriend for four and a half years. And then when we broke up, the first person I started dating was my husband. That was not my plan, but I just fell for him, right? And he had said to me before we got engaged that, if you want to sleep with someone else, you can. And he actually predicted that I would want to. He thought like, he's a little, oh, he's five years older. He had been dating a lot. He was living in New York, Mm -hmm. living the single life throughout his 20s. (laughs) 
And the fact that I was like, I was kind of, you know, wide eyed. And he said, I think you're going to want to sleep with someone else eventually. And that's okay. Just you have to tell me, you know, and he's a little turned on by that. Mm -hmm. There's a little frisson for him, but I don't feel the same way. I have no, you know, I do not get turned on by the idea of him with another person even now. But that idea was planted and I thought, oh no, I'm never going to want to do that. But lo and behold, when my children were little and I was just about at the end of my rope, I walked out of the house one night and met a friend who took me to a bar and I met someone who I was shocked at the feeling of desire that kind of just poured through me. So I told my husband about it. And long story short, he said, go for it. But that's kind of where the book, you know, that was the beginning more than the end. Actually, not only it sounds like, is it not a turn on, but when your husband is with someone else, but you had a lot of scenes where you would cry. When I think you had one scene where like your legs buckled and you're like collapsed just thinking about him with someone else, even though yeah. it was okay for you to be with someone else. And he was like, what? Like we agreed on this, you know, basically. I know. But there was that visceral reaction of like, no, no, no. Right. And I think that's what I've learned both through experience. And at first it was just through like reading books like The Ethical Slut or things like that, that what that feeling was, was fear that I was going to lose him and deep insecurity about how lovable I was really. Mm -hmm. And the feeling that maybe love is a scarce resource. And maybe if he loves somebody else, he can't love me as much or can't love me at all. So it was a fear that took me probably close to 10 years, <laughs> the length of the book, to feel in my body differently. And it's partly why I told the book the way I did. I started out writing the book. My first draft I thought was just genius, but it was not. And I <laughs> got rejected by about 50 agents. Wow. And because you know, they say, don't send it to 50 agents, send it to like five, and then you'll get some feedback. And I was like, oh, no, no, this is too good. I don't want to deprive the world of this, you know, and just like one no after another. And I realized what I had done is I had written a book of essays, basically, all of which began something like, I'm fine now. Don't worry about me. But back in the day, this is what happened. <laughs> and it is also, you know, I was doing too much from my current sensibility and my current vantage point. And nobody would quite buy it. You know, nobody would believe me when I said, no, I'm actually not jealous anymore. I wouldn't have believed it. You know, and then I kept my agent who eventually signed me, kept making me start over. And ultimately where I landed was writing it in the present tense. And that's when I got it. That's when I got the voice that I needed, which was kind of an embodied younger self. I needed to be that 36 or 37 year old, just, you know, with the legs buckling, the nausea. Mm -hmm. I had to relive that in order to trace the evolution of what happened to me, you know? Interesting. So, um, and now I'm 51 and that 37-year-old self, I have so much compassion for my 20-year-old self, my six-year-old self. I have so much compassion for all of them. They were all very different in so many ways. And I feel like now the, the what you were starting out saying, Zibby, about all these disparate parts of ourselves as mothers, like, how do we integrate them? Mm -hmm. How do we integrate them into a whole that is probably going to serve our children a lot better in the long run? 
Yes. And how do we all survive those earlier years? Oof. I mean, I my marriage ended and I ended up getting remarried and to my tennis pro, I've written about this. So it's like public, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know, there was like a sneaking around period, which I actually just wrote about, but where before everybody knew, like, you know, we, I was already separated, but like the kids yeah. didn't know and like all the friends didn't know and, you know, yeah, like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Like, how am I in a hotel room? I mean, it's like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. now I'm at pickup and it's like, oh yeah, my day was fine. <laughs> I mean, it was a long time ago now, but like just even going through that, like that's not what you're supposed to be doing while the kids are at school. <laughs> right? Or maybe it is. Or maybe it know. is. No. Yeah. <laughs> but, or it's different for different people. I think it's about giving yourself that freedom to, to, to be curious about yourself mm-hmm. and to say, whoa, there is a part of me that wants to do this. Mm-hmm. Let me ask some more questions about it instead of just shutting it down as fast as I can. Right. And and maybe it's going to take one form or another, not necessarily hotels and sneaking. Right. Maybe it's going to be writing a book. Like, I didn't think I could write a book either. And look at me now. Yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't have to be in this way. But I do feel that while you're in the thick of it with kids, without some sort of outlet, you can just go crazy. Yeah. You know, like there needs to be something, whether it's working out or talking to a friend or or you know, starting an open marriage or you know whatever it is like you have to have something because something is, that's yours yes. and yours only in which your spirit can be free yes and i think the working out i tried to do that i remember when i don't think the scene made it into the book but when my ch- when my kids were little i hurt my hip oh i know what it was I had the bright idea that the thing I was going to do to be free was to run a half marathon. And I did. And it was really exciting, but I injured myself pretty badly. And so I I had hip issues for years afterwards. And so I was doing my physical therapy exercises at night when I watched TV. And then my physical therapist said, actually, I think that's really messing up your alignment. You need to turn off the TV and really focus. Mm. So the next night I was doing my exercises and just started to sob because I was like, this is my me time. This is what it's come to. My me time is doing my hip exercises because I tried to do something for myself and run. And now, you know what I mean? It was just too much. It was just too, too pathetic. (laughs) So it's like, we do, we need something and it's not always going to be to run at breakneck speed. Maybe for some people that does work out. For me, it was not a great idea to start running in my mid-30s. I've had many of physical therapists over the last decade or so. <laughs> I'm like, this is why I don't ski. You know, I gave up skiing. Yeah, I, it's too much. This is why I don't fill in the blank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Then I'm like, I'm not going to do those exercises. Like, it's not going to take you that long. I'm like, you know what? I'd rather like write another book than like do a, a, a toe raise in the shower. <laughs> I don't know why, but that's just the way it is. I. I'm with you. I am with you. Yeah. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. (laughs) So the relationships that you write about in the book, you know, and I also, by the way, found myself getting so worried about you because you're meeting, you know, you just don't know who these people are. And I know that there were some situations that were a little sketchier than others, but how do you even handle that now? And like, how do you make sure you're okay? Yeah. Well, you weren't the only one to be worried about me. My friends were worried about me. I was worried about me, to be frank. At this stage, I'm not on dating apps anymore. I have, you know, one partner that I've been with for three years plus. And it's funny, sometimes people like, you know, there'll be someone who they kind of are out of my life for a little while, often because sometimes they're younger and they're having children. You know what I mean? And I'm like very understanding of that. I'm like, I want all my partners to be very good partners to their wives. And Mm -hmm. I like to say, I am a big champion of the wives. My partner's wives love me (laughs) because I am the one saying, no, I'm not going out with you. You need to go home. Like, what are you doing? You know what I mean? I'm always, I've always got their back, right? There was a guy who messaged me on one of the dating apps years ago and was telling me that they had just opened their marriage about a year ago, but now his wife was pregnant and she said it was fine if he kept going. I was like, no, 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 that is not fine. I was like, there is no piece of that that is fine. Even if she says it's fine, I don't think it's fine. And so I was like, if you can find someone else, good for you. But I was like, my advice is to close the marriage for at least two years mm-hmm. and pay attention to each other. And he wrote me again two years later and it was like, that was the best advice you could have given me. And like, <laughs> we had a, you know, like what, duh, but still I'm like. And he's like, but the two years are now up. So here I am. <laughs> yeah, right. And I was like, still not interested. But yeah. I- <laughs> One of the things that was so unique in this book, too, is that when you went through heartbreak, it was your husband comforting you. I mean, that is such a unique thing to read about, to go through. 
I mean, it's just so wonderful. Tell I me, know. like, t- talk about that. <laughs> yeah. And and now I'm able to do it for him too. You know, we've both been through some heartbreak. Aww. It's been, oh, no. it's been a lot of years now that, you know, it's been a solid 15 years. I've, I've had my heart broken more than once. And so has he, but it's also, it's a different kind of feeling too, now that we can really connect with each other around it. And my mother is the other person I can talk to, mm-hmm. you know, and that's just, nobody, nobody would believe it unless I wrote about it, you know, in a way that really showed all the kind of turning points and moments of evolution, because the idea that I break up with a guy outside of my marriage and the two people I need to talk to are my mom and my husband, like, come on, you know, but it's true. And they love me and they, they want me to be happy. And it is kind of a beautiful, amazing thing. So there's a magic to it too. I don't even know how I can describe it except to say, I think what happens is that my mother has had this feeling, right? She has been in love with someone else and loved my father at the same time. My husband has had that feeling, loving more than one person at a time. And now I've had it. So we all, once you kind of know what that feeling is, it doesn't feel threatening anymore because you realize, oh, this is not a game of scarcity and zero sum where, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, thank God she's gone. So now you can love me more. No, she's gone. Now you're going to be really sad for a while. And I'm so sorry, you know? So I want my partner to be with people who make him happy, not people who he's glad to be rid of, you know? Of course, yes. It reminds me a little bit of some of the tropes around mother-in-laws and daughter-in-laws as if, you know, there's this competition kind of when you see it done in, you know, through central casting or something something, right? When in a sitcom where the mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law are very in competition. I think of Charlotte from Sex and the City or something Mm -hmm, like that, mm -hmm. right? And there's something very dysfunctional about that, right? If you both love the same person, don't you want them to have love? I want my boys to find amazing partners that they love and hopefully love more than me. Like, you know, if I loved my dad more than I love my husband right now, there'd be something, you know, I love my dad, but it's a different love, right? Right. I feel like that's what you outlined too in the book. It's not about more or less, and it's not coming from the same sort of like vertical test tube of love. Like there are just so many, right? Like you talk about how with friends, you're not like, oh, I have a really good friend, so I can't have this other really good friend. Like you can have as many really good friends as you need. And maybe one's from college and one's from high school or one's, you know, they they all feed like different parts of your souls and that's okay. Like there's, you can't run out of love. Right. And for children too, I Mm -hmm. I make that comparison as well. I had a moment of kind of paralyzing fear when I, I had to get induced for both my children, but I was leaving for the hospital to have my second child. And I was just like, how am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. I was just filled with love for my first child. and like, oh no, I'm leaving you for mm-hmm. two days to go cheat on you with another baby. You know, that's kind <laughs> of the way it felt. Yep. <laughs> and then look at that. And my father actually said to me that day, cause they were staying with, with my oldest when I went to the hospital, he said, you are giving him the greatest gift in the world. You're giving him a brother. And I was like, oh, that's nice. And I did, you know, it's just a different way to look at love, I think. Yeah. I remember feeling so guilty, like being like, oh, I have to leave, go to the hospital, have your siblings. Like I felt so bad. It's such a silly thing. Isn't that funny? We can feel guilty over the craziest stuff. 
<laughs> we we really can. And yeah. if there if there's not like enough that's guilt inducing, mm-hmm. we will find something. Yeah. Like adding to the planet <laughs> for yeah, your right, own right, benefit. right. Oh no, I had a baby. Oh, oh no. Sorry. I yeah, I was gone baby. for three days that you'll never remember. But yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Do you worry about being judged? Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, you know, some of the comments in, you know, New York Times article or other things that have other media that's come out, I I told myself I wouldn't look, but then I might peek a little, I might feel a little, you know, ultimately not really though. I feel like I'm at a a time in my life and a, just a sense of self that Mm -hmm. I have now that doesn't feel very vulnerable to random opinions. If someone in my life is upset about something I've written and that has happened, I take that very seriously and make sure we talk about it. But so far, so good. A couple people have been upset and have talked to me and we're good now. And ultimately I've found that it can be a very healing thing. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll give an example too, like my aunt, who is the one who told me about my parents and I write about it in the book. And so she hadn't read the book yet, but I saw her at Christmas and she was like, well, now I'm going to be immortalized as a blabbermouth. Right. Um, And, but I talked to her about, I was like, I'm so glad you told me because I don't think my mother ever would have. Mm -hmm. And I needed to know it. It has been such an important part of my relationship with my mother And just, it's kind of affected the whole trajectory of my life in a way that feels really meaningful. So yeah, people might judge me and that's okay. I'm putting myself out there, not for the purposes of self-aggrandizement. If I were, I wouldn't have written a lot of the things I wrote. I mean, I tried to show all of the ugly underbelly of these years in a way that was as honest as I could make it because I was seeing a lot about open marriage that either seemed it was going in one of two ways. One was we tried it. It didn't work. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Or it was, yeah, we were just, I think we were just born polyamorous. And so this has been just so easy and lovely and yeah, I feel great. And I, neither of those felt like me. Mm -hmm. I felt like it is possible. Mm-hmm. And for me, it has been worth it, but it is really hard. And so I wanted to show that and that wasn't anywhere else. So in order to do that, I knew I was going to invite some criticism, but I have so much love in my life, my friends, my family. I haven't lost a single relationship I care about because of this book. And more than anything, people are just coming out of the woodwork to say how much they love the book or how supportive they are. Well, I'm very happy to hear that. I really think, you know, memoir is a genre I love because you get in there with someone, right? In a way that you wouldn't in like a a conversation, even an intimate conversation, like all the details and I mean, tons of editing to make it like a beautiful book, but not censoring out the unflattering bits or all of that. Like that's what makes memoir so great. It's like seeing the whole thing and you really let us in. And that is so generous of you to do. So anyway, I loved it. It's really awesome. You're awesome. You're awesome too. Thank you. Thank you. I hope we can do this again sometime. Yeah. Let's do something else. This is so fun. I want to like- I'm coming to your bookstore in Santa Monica on February 1st. Oh, yay. Great. Oh, I'm not going to be there, but good. I'm so glad you're doing that. Yeah. Excellent. Congratulations. Thank you, Zibby. I appreciate it. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. 
Also sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.